stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, hello, good morning, everybody. We are here at the NAB Show 2017, broadcasting live from the Advanced Advertising Pavilion. It is April. <laughs> it's some day in April, and we are the second day here talking about media, technology, and entertainment, really celebrating the Met effect that is all about the NAB show now. And I have with, with me, my first guest this morning, is Brian Seth Hurst. Um, Brian and I worked together to build out the StoryTech brand, and um, he has now he immersed himself. See how so I did that? Yes. <laughs> in virtual reality. Um, and Brian has been um, in charge of curating all the content at the VR pavilion here at the NAB show. So, Brian, tell us about uh, what, what's going on over there. What's the craziness, the madness? Well, it's actually been, been packed. And um, last year, NAB had told us that more than 50%, 57% of the attendees wanted more VR. So I guess they gave them that this year. Yeah. And they had asked StoryTech Immersive to actually come in and program the AR VR content sessions at the pavilion. And at the same time, we're also programming the live, uh, NAB live show programming that deals with AR, VR content in the Grand Lobby. Nice. And the one thing we wanted to do here at the Pavilion is, you know, honestly, Lori, there's so many people talking about VR, but there's not that many people who are actually rolling up their sleeves, have their hands in, and are doing really great VR. So the panelists and the people who are, are speaking at, the, at our sessions are actually those people. So that was like one of the qualifications that you actually have had to have made VR content to speak. Um, because there's so much that's being learned, there's so much information that's being exchanged, and there used to be a lot of wrong information out there, and there's still people out there saying, well, you can't move the camera, and you can't shoot in 180, and all of these things are changing. And I'm a VR producer, so I'm in the network, and, and it was great to be able to call these people. And in some cases, Lori, and I know you know when you do this, in some cases you bring people together on a panel that you absolutely think should meet each other. Right. And that's what was great. You know, there's like a selfish motive in all of this, which is you want Graham Sack to meet Angel Manuel Soto, both very good VR directors. And you think, boy, if these two guys got talking. So it's great to watch that happen. And then some really intelligent questions coming from from the audience like they've done their homework and when we asked how many of you have made content millions of hands went up there were, when we asked how many people have never seen vr in an immersive headset on that first panel not a hand went up so there's a hunger for this knowledge and there were also traditional broadcasting people in the audience from the networks i mean bloomberg was there discovery was there and they want to learn more so it's been really interesting and i, I think one of the great things about this is you know there are vr conferences that are to get dedicated to vr but they don't build that bridge between the broadcast and content communities and VR. And you and I have seen that before with like interactive television and transmedia. The community tends to not reach out. They think they are self-contained. And so that's been great. So there's been a lot of exchange of information. Now, now when you um, look at <coughs> VR right now, excuse me, I have spilkas, <coughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> when you look at, which isn't good for doing audio. Is that obviously. a broadcasting term? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a broadcasting term from Russia. Ah. Um, when you look at the trends right now in VR and what everybody is sort of wrapping their head around, can you talk about a few yeah. of those trends? So a year ago, so, oh gosh, so much has changed in a year. 
a year ago, it was about experiences. It was about wowing people. And now we're actually moving into artistry. So you see better documentary. You see cinematic VR. You see real storytelling. You see techniques that have been in traditional film like bokeh and, um, you know, camera movement. Things that people didn't think they could do in VR happening. So now we're getting more authentic storytelling. And it's not so much like, oh, here's the experience. At the same time, there's been a lot of bad VR content. And um, I was just at the Immersive Content Leadership Forum in, at MIPTV, and that was the top thing. What's well, the top barrier for consumers? And it was bad VR content because people will see the content, put it in their headset, and go, well, this is bad. This isn't worth it. And maybe they won't put on a headset again, or maybe they won't buy. Um, the other thing is this. There's this convergence going on that's been happening for years between story and game. So the question is, how much interactivity do you now put into a story in VR? And what about volumetric scanning? That's the big discussion going on right now, where you actually scan images in 3D. Yeah, we talked about yeah. that yesterday with, uh, with Kathleen from Front High Fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> HHI. Um, what about, um, what about you, you mentioned it briefly, but the, the sort of battle between narrative and interactive. It's, I wouldn't say it's a battle. You know what? It, you know what's great, Lori, is that you have a lot of young filmmakers, and I can say young because I'm not. Um, you have a lot of young filmmakers. How, how old are you? Uh, I'm 61 and proud oh, of every oh, nice. single year. <laughs> um, you had a lot of young filmmakers who are coming from traditional film or coming out of film school, and they have this background, but they also know technology, and so they're hacking. And so they're making cameras serve the story. Camera selection is so important. But where does interactivity serve the story? Where does the technology serve the story? So this kind of convergence between game and narrative, we're not, it's not a war. I think they're approaching from different sides. And our Armando Kerwin, who's a filmmaker from Milk VR, he said he, on yesterday's panel, he said he expects we'll end up in the middle somewhere, although we don't quite know where that middle is. I, as a producer, am dedicated to cinematic VR because I feel we've got to get that right before we add anything into it. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I, I've, I've heard a lot of... Um, you know, folks coming from the gaming side, and then folks coming from the filmmaking side, and there and there is slightly different different perspectives. But you've got a lot of story in traditional game, like uh, like um, The Last of Us is an amazing video game, and I would love for that game to be in VR because of the game itself, but also because there's a rich story in that, and it's like, what could I do if that was in VR? So right now, on the volumetric side, um, you know, I did get to see the Smithsonian Intel piece. Um, where they, you know, have the artist talking to you inside of the museum. Um, and she was fairly attached to the ground, which I thought was great. Because um, <laughs> usually there f people are floating in those environments. But you can see a time now where really we will be resurrecting you know, dead people and yeah, doing that was like that. that was eight eyes whole thing in the beginning, which is you know you want to record your relatives so when they're not here anymore, yeah, what, you what can about actually that? have them present. You know, I I. I, I frankly don't know if that's something I'd want to do and, you know, not to be disrespectful, but when some people are gone, they're gone. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's time to right. move on. When Brian uh, asked you to leave his house, you just leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. Um, but I think this combination of volumetric scanning, what they're calling six degrees of freedom, which is the ability to move around the image, I, that excites me from a storytelling point of view because I think, okay, here's one more tool. 
how can I use that? Will I use that? Do I need to use that? So we have a piece that we're working on right now. It's in development and it's, it is volumetric scanning. It's about an artificial intelligence sentient being and the volumetric scanning makes it so real that you actually will have this feeling for the character. And that's, that's what's great is the ability to create an emotional attachment between the audience and the character, which, which we manage. We, I produced my brother's keeper for PBS and we, Filmmakers Connor Hare and Alex Meter actually hacked a camera because none of the cameras could get within five feet of the subject. Right, right. And so these cameras that were like four GoPros and uh, two twenty and ten year lenses and backbone structure that allowed the sensors to get to the cameras, um, that allowed for an intimacy with our characters that heretofore had not been done in VR. And you look at volumetric scanning and you think, wow, because just like I'm sitting here with you, it could be that presence. And that brings up a whole nother thing from a moral perspective in my mind about what is the moral responsibility of a storyteller in VR and, right. and where's the line that you cross and wh- how responsible are you for their feelings because it does VR does full immersion does fool the body and so you know you could flip a switch in someone and not even know that you're doing that so this right. is why I don't I won't do horror in VR yeah I, I mean I'm, I still have that uh, I don't want to put something on my face well you know, um, to me, it all depends what it is. Um, <laughs> this is about VR, not your personal yes, life. Yes, okay. <laughs> so um, I think the headsets are, are, first of all, they're getting easier. They're getting better. The form factors are changing. They're getting more capability. But I think the gamers, that you're talking about this friction point. Everybody calls it a friction point. And I've got to be honest with you. I, it's not that I didn't want to put something on my face. It's just, I've got to, got to go turn on my computer and boot it up and then get the controllers. And do I have time for that today? Yeah. Where, so I usually go to the Samsung Gear VR because like every Friday morning we, watch, we do nothing but watch content. Mm-hmm. But that is a point. So that's leading to something interesting, which is this rise of dome content. Yeah. Which reminds me of Disney's circle vision when we were kids and you'd yeah. go in and the horses would the run do- over the you. The domes are really cool and mostly the content I've seen in them is that like acid trip content. Yeah, but but all that's changing. So yeah. Vortex Immersion Domes, which has a demo thing in, in they have a dome in downtown LA, mm-hmm. they actually took our piece mm-hmm. and have projected it on the dome. Now it tilts a little bit, but mm-hmm. it does give you the same kind of emotional feeling right, right. that you so would So you think get. you're going to see more of, of that in the domes? Yeah, I think, actually, Lori, I think there's a... It, it's because it's a new venue, I think that filmmakers have to learn how to create for that venue as well. Right, right. So right now you can up-convert content into the dome, and, and Barco has a new projector that's, I think, 6K, so the images are much more clear on the dome. It's great for music. It's great for music events because you can have, like, the show going on around the show and the artist, so, and then you can live stream that in 360. Right, right, right. But I think as a filmmaking medium, I think, you know, because we've toured with our filmmakers, we've been in there, and to watch their heads and... And how to use this because it's not three. It's another format. Yeah, it's it's and it's a one eighty dome over you, so it's not right. really. Yeah. Well, now, where I think it's going to get really interesting is is with the theaters. What's going on in China with group viewing and the experiences and these pods that pe- a, lot of, yep. a lot of people are going in, and, and they are making money like gangbusters. So, and the and the Sony uh, IMAX yes. VR center in LA. Yes. They in three months they had fifteen thousand visitors and they didn't even market it. Yeah. And I yeah. went there and it is a blast. I I went to and I loved it. I also thought it was awkward. Really? Well, just um, in terms of the experience of moving people through the different experiences and, um, 
you know, again, look, I'm looking at it as a strategist, right? And so you show up and you get the tickets and then you show up and someone has to interact with you and the timing could be off or when, like when the next person's supposed to come and, you know, there's all that kind of thing. So it's not quite smooth yet. Well, they're, they're working on that. But I got to tell you, we did Eagle Flight mm-hmm. and they're, you know, it's a game where you can play against each other and you have to pick up the dead rabbit and whatnot yes, and deposit yes, it I in the net. That too. And there were two teams I against one another. If we had so much fun and <laughs> yeah. I found out I actually like shooting things more than I realized, but, <laughs> but it was a ton of fun. We, yeah. we really enjoyed it and they're, I know they're perfecting the experience and you're right. HTC's opening a thousand venues. Our content's already been translated into Chinese. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, um, I think that's really interesting and that will get people back into theaters and back into That's malls. the whole plan. You, you know, put yeah. these things in a theater lobby. When people are coming in, they'll come earlier. They'll spend right. more money on popcorn. And but and I actually think that will be why they're coming and then retail environments will be reinvigorated again. Yeah, right? I, so, I agree. All those so, empty spaces and malls. Yeah. And plus, movie theaters are perfect because of the brand extension of the movie that you're seeing. Yeah, I think, so. I think it, that, that that's, that gets really interesting. And also at that IMAX space, what I thought was interesting was they already had big damage to the sidewalls because they weren't thinking people are going to bang into these walls when they're Oh, I didn't notice things. that. Yeah, they, they, there was damage in some of the walls. The... Um, which was well, you it? do in that John Wick. John thing, Wick. Get, that's what, that was it. <laughs> you, do, you do get really, you John know, Wick, a people, lot of movement. People had slammed the gun into the wall. Um, I just remember thinking, oh my! Afterwards, I was so stressed out. I was so stressed out. Really? Yeah, because oh you're like people, are, bugs and people are shooting at you. <laughs> I thought um, I had a great time. I mean, it was interesting to be in the Starbreeze headset. It was fun. I mean, it was totally You fun. know, that's a new headset with yeah. a grander field of view. Right, and right. It was a little weird on both sides. But, you know, once I got into it, I mean, I was like Yeah, totally and the hor- Horizon experience is better in that one, right? Yes. So well, not- it's getting perfected. Yeah. It's really interesting, Lori. The technology is moving so fast that for storytellers, literally, you have to pick a point in time and you're you're going to be able to make it this good. And what we recommend to our clients is that they actually shoot in stereoscopic at the highest resolution possible, especially cinematic content, because you're creating a library that's going to have value in the future. Right. And, and plus, you don't know what formats things are going to be exported out to. So you want to have cho- be, be, be able to have a choice. Um, the other thing that I uh, am noticing about it is that there's finally starting to, to have content that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, it was gaming, shooting people, and also um, mostly horror yeah. in the beginning. In yeah, the beginning. And, and just experiences. Like, you hear you're sitting in the so you get to ski or you get to do this. But, you know, um, and I, people love story. It doesn't matter yeah. what your gender is. Yes. But different genders like different kinds of stories. And there are more stories. I don't know if you saw L.A. Noir um, that came from Armando Kerwin. And, and it was, um, you know, Hollywood stars doing VR in film noir, which is impossible to light right right and and they did it and it was really fun it was really kind of neat to be inside this thing that was story driven and it had a number of chapters and different things and then on the documentary level if you're a documentary fan that stuff's just getting better and better yeah yeah you know and and it's really a suitable medium for documentary yeah I, i i think that's i think that's really interesting i think content is going to to get more interesting and so then then I become interested and then uh, obviously talking to a lot of marketers and brands about it and there's significant investment and so a lot of that work has been Halo well and a, a lot of those 
brands, I mean, we've heard some horror stories because there are people out there that say they know how to do VR yeah. and that are, or traditional agencies and suddenly they jump into VR and they get, the brands get a product that is unusable. Right, right. And and that turns them off to VR. I mean, I rode back on a plane whose showroom in name was a mutual acquaintance that we both know. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know what? We spent over 250000 on something that we can't use and it'll be a while again before we approach. What does the do mutual acquaintance name rhyme with? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you after we're on the air. But, um, yeah, because it doesn't rhyme with anything but what it is. Okay. So, you know, you can't do that. Like, it's orange, it's orange. Right, know, right. So. Um, but but it is, there's a lot of learning. And then there's a lot of people that say they can actually do stitching really well. Well, what they can do is stitch a still image. But when you have movement and camera movement and and something as simple to us as leaves yeah. becomes so technical right, in post-production. Right, right, and right. also post-production is, it, it takes longer. If you're in stereoscopic, it's going to be 35% of your budget. Right. You know, and you've got a plan for that. So traditional agencies they're used to you know bang 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 and you know and then so they'll say okay well we'll do 360 we won't do stereoscopic and it's like you do the highest thing possible that you can do well we are um signing off for now but um brian it's been such a pleasure yeah, talking thank to you for having and, me and where can we see what you've been up to so you can see my brother's keeper on every single vr <laughs> platform there is it is the most widely distributed piece and uh for more information about what we do it's storytechimmersive.com all one word thank you so much brian seth Hurst. ladies and gentlemen let's have a hand thank you for having all me all three of you here <laughs> <laughs> Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com